הר אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שבתוכנו ולכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר קדוש אשר בארצם ובמיוחד רבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם נחל נובע מכוח חוכמה רבנו נחמן פגם מצמחה נא נח נחמן נחמן מאומן זכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן בעזרת השם today we're gonna do multiple lessons starting with תורה ר' נ"ב תורה 252 רבנו תרזס כשיש אחדות בין הצדיקים when there's um, Unity between the tzaddikim, the righteous, and the tzaddikim, the righteous. Charity cannot cause harm. It doesn't harm. Because naturally, when a person gives charity, um, whatever he gives is lacking. But whenever a person, whenever there's achdud between the tzaddikim, a person, a person can give tzaddikim, and he won't feel what is lacking, he won't lack at all. Um... Meaning that even when you give, let's say you give 20 bucks, and uh, the fact that you lack 20 bucks from there, it won't lack. There won't be this concept of chisaron, of lacking. The same is true of through the, that through this unity between the tzaddikim, a person can genuine, genuinely sacrifice his life. And nonetheless, he can actually... Not be harmed by this and actually still remain alive. Meaning he can do Mesirut Nefesh. He can literally sacrifice his soul but yet still remain alive. Obviously this lesson is very esoteric, very deep. Um, a person would have to go look around and try to understand what is really taught about here. But this teaches and teaches about the beauty of um, the Akhtu between the Tzadikim. That there's something awesome that can occur when, when, this, when this unity does exist. Torah Reshun Gimel Da no shemi'ut shena that actually um, lessening a person's sleep, not sleeping too much, um, actually minimizes and lessens the desire for sexual adultery, sexual immorality. Because there is um, a fire that exists within a person from the time of birth. That from this fire burns within a person all the bonfires of each of the desires, um, specifically this sexual desire. And all the food and the drink a person gives to his body, meaning all the person food and drink he intakes. This fire that we're talking about that is, exists within a person the second he's born, it consumes and burns all this food and drink. But through lessening your sleep, minimizing sleep, you're actually weakening this fire and it doesn't have the strength to burn as much. And even though, however, Rabban was saying, however, though, that minimizing sleep damages the mind. And the same is true of too much sleep. When a person forces himself to sleep too much, this too also weakens and minimizes this fire. But this too also damages the mind. It is only possible when a person, it's only when a person sleeps the exact measurement and the time he needs to. Then a person's sexual desire and his tabata mishkal, a person's desire for, uh, for relations and that it's the strength and the, the mightiness of this desire, the sexual drive, um, um, is in its proper strength, meaning only when a person sleeps the exact amount, um, the proper amount that he needs to sleep, 
is whenever the sexual drive is on point, meaning that it's its strongest. Because when a person sleeps the right amount, that fire isn't weakened, which means it's burning him for this desire. All of what we just mentioned, we heard from Rabbeinu's holy conversations. But the, the main idea of his intention behind this Torah, he did not explain very well. Or, or it's not that he didn't explain it very well, sorry. It's that it is not explained very well here. But from, however, from what I understood from his conversation, that actually Rabinatan is saying that what is Rabbeinu trying to tell us? That there's no advice that is beneficial to minimize a person's sexual desire through whatever strategies a person can have, whether to sleep a little bit more or less or whatever it is, because it damages a person's mind after. Because it's possible if you want to weaken this desire through minimizing sleep or through maximizing sleep, too much sleep. But both of them damage the mind. Therefore, there's no wisdom or advice with regard to this desire. The only thing is to reinforce oneself, to be a strong, uh, a mighty person, a mighty warrior, to conquer his evil inclination. And Hashem will help this person to remove this evil um, temptation from within him. Rabban was saying, put all your force to beat it. There's no real strategy. You have to pray and you have to engage in this Avodat Hashem to really do the best to, to fight this off. And Hashem will help. Torah The eyes are something very lofty and very great. And they constantly see things that are very, very great and very uh, awesome. And if a person truly merited uh, proper eyes, upright eyes, righteous eyes, meaning that he guards his eyes. He would know awesome things and great things just from the fact of what his eyes see. Because they're constantly looking at something. But the fact is that a person doesn't know what he's looking at. For example, to bring a parable. When a person passes an object before someone's eyes with great quickness, so that person doesn't know what he saw. And behold, that even at the time when this person passed over that object, even though it was quick, this person's eyes saw completely what he saw. He saw the object. But nonetheless, he, he did not know what he saw. Because was telling us that even though the man saw the object in its entirety. Nonetheless, because it was so quick, the person didn't have time in order to bring the thing which he saw to his mind so that he should know what he saw. Because to know what you see is dependent upon your dot, your knowledge, your mind. For this, a person needs a little bit of time. That this object waits a little bit before the person's eyes. It stays in the same place. In order so that object should be transferred with strength. With the, prop, with, uh, the, the strength of the vision. The power of a person's vision uh, to a person's mind. That the vision transfers this object to the mind. Um, so that he could see, see the object. 
so that he should know with that, with true awareness, what he saw. But because of its quickness, he didn't see the object only with the strength of vision, but not with that. But he did not have time to transfer that object to that. Therefore, he did not know what he saw. The same is true of a person. He constantly sees lofty things, which, is, which are visions and revelations. But just like these visions and revelations, like the parable we mentioned above, it's like something that a person passes over someone's eyes with great quickness and uh, speed. Therefore, a person doesn't know what he saw, as we said above. And Rabbanu says, I understand this very well. So Rabbanu was saying that actually when you guard your eyes properly, it's this aspect of waiting. That the object waits before your eyes, so that you have the power to transfer that object to your vision, to your knowledge, uh, transfer the vision that you saw the object into your knowledge, so that you should know what you saw. And the only reason why we don't know when we see something why it's happening, this and that, is because um, we haven't kept our eyes pure. And Rabbi was saying, keeping your eyes pure allows you to actually transfer the object to the mind. So maybe you have the merit to do so and repair the the damaged vision that we have. Uh, when a person believes in the tzaddik, in the righteous man, without any doubt, without any intellect or awareness, it's possible for him to fall from faith. Because from faith alone, it is possible to fall. But if a person also has that along with the emunah, person also has knowledge with the Emunah that he also understands with the knowledge why he's believing in the Tzaddik as I EF Shalolipur then it's impossible for him to fall Rabban was saying a person's Emunah the Tzaddik um, in order for it to be maintained forever um, and not for him not to fall from the Emunah the Tzaddik yes and no Bidat why he has Emunah the Tzaddik um, to transfer that Emunah to that and once he does that it's impossible for him to, to fall Torah Resh Nun Vav there's an awesome uh, this is an awesome lesson. And actually, Rabenu um, was told the secret, I believe, before he went to Eretz Israel, it is brought down in Chayim Um the secret, um, I believe, from a great tzaddik that came and revealed the secret to him. If I'm not mistaken. So Rabenu says, Shem Ata Mesugal Alayam Galim. The name Ata, which literally means you, Ata, but it's also a name of Hashem, is propitious. To subdue the waves at sea. To calm down the waves at sea. The assault on the secret is why. Besogalav atateshabechem. Chapter 89. Besogalav in the raising of its waves. Atateshabechem. You quiet them. What is you though? Ata is a reference to this name of Hashem. Meaning the name of um, Ata is able to quiet down these waves. When a person is at sea, um, this name is has the power to, uh, uh, what do you call it? Subdue it. Um, so Rabenu explained this awesome idea. There's more to this in Chayim Oran, if I'm not mistaken. Torah Resh Nun Zayin. Kitavo Becherim Re'echa Bechulei Brodan Zvarim, Chapter Twenty Three. When you come into your neighbor's uh, vineyard, when you get into your neighbor's vineyard, etc. Alpi Maaseh Bechulei. This relates to the incident. What incident? She inachalo imot zaba'a. In which Rabenu's mom left him instructions. Shemi she'enu yachol esavlo. That anyone he can't tolerate, lo yanichenu liyot etlo. He should not allow into his presence. Vim laven otherwise. 
He would require the assistance of those who are far um, against those who are close by him. Uh, and this will be explained in another place. So Rabenu actually, Rabbi Nachman, his mom told him, gave him instructions that, and we know about Fega, Rabenu's mom, that she was, uh, she she had a, people used to call Fega Anadiyah, Fega the prophetess, that she had such a Ruach HaKodesh, that she was, she was like uh, one of the Neviot, um, that uh, she had a tremendous Ruach HaKodesh, divine spirit. So she told Rabenu that Rabenu shouldn't let anyone he can't tolerate near him. And that actually Rabenu would require the assistance of those who are far away from him um, rather than those who are close by him. Um, <clears throat> so this idea is going to be mentioned elsewhere, that idea of um, requiring the assistance of those who are far against those who are close by him um, um, is something I don't really get, but nonetheless, we continue. Because now Rabbeinu is going to explain this idea um, and Rabbeinatan um, Rabbeinu is going to explain this idea with what we just mentioned above. When a person eats more than he needs to this food damages him. Because each and everything has a root from which it receives its vitality from. Each thing in this world has a Source of vitality. For example, a Sami medicine has life force um, from the fact that a person takes it to heal himself. And the same is true of food, that it receives life force from this person who eats it and receives life force from the food. From this, from this, the food gets their vitality from the man who eats it. But when a person eats too much, this food actually doesn't have any life force or vitality to receive from this person. Because the, the person doesn't need it anymore. It's as if this person literally placed the excess food in a vessel. That over there it's certain that it receives no life force, vitality. Therefore this food actually requests and seeks out life force and vitality uh, for itself, Rabban was saying this most amazing thing, that when a person eats too much, that food, that excess food, which cannot achieve, receive vitality from the person eating it anymore, actually begins to draw life from the person. And through this, it damages a man. And because of this, all the other food that wasn't excess, um, damage him and get joined into the food that is excess and then begin to seep his life, um, to sap his life force. And this is what it says in the verse, You made to your souls, uh, and you shall eat, and you shall eat, um, to your soul's content. You may eat to your soul's content. Not more. This is what it says, but you may not put any into your basket. As it says in the verse, don't put any into your basket. Meaning, don't eat more than you need. It's as if you put it in a basket or in a vessel. All the excess food. Because of the fact that he does not eat it. And this is the same secret as to why Rabenu um, shouldn't have any extra people, those he can't tolerate around him. For the same reasoning. Because those people would sap Rabbeinu's life force. 
So we can see how awesome it is that uh, Fega told Rabenu this because she clearly knew the secret. Torah 258. When there's strife upon a person, when people argue against someone, his opponents are able to turn this person away and to make him stray from the pathway of God, to make him fall from his level. God forbid. And this is what David, King David, took pride in. Upon him be peace. In Tehidim chapter 119, Many are my prosecutors and my enemies. I haven't strayed from your testimonies. Meaning, even though he had many prosecutors and he had many people who were arguing against him, nonetheless, with all of that said, David never strayed from God's path. This is an amazing, amazing lesson for someone who needs encouragement in speaking to God in secluded conversation and meditation. Rabbeinu tells us an amazing idea. Amazing, something really awesome. And pay attention to this because it's very deep. When a person, he secludes himself and expresses his conversations and his pain before God, and he confesses and he regrets over the greatness of his blemishes that he had done. Then opposite this person, the divine presence comes down and begins to express her conversation and her pain, and she begins to, begins to console him. Because each and every single blemish and mistake that a person made in his soul, each and every sin a person does into which gets engraved into his soul. It also becomes a blemish with regard to divine presence as well. As if to say, because we know each and every soul is the aspect of a piece of the divine presence and it's in, in its entirety it's the divine presence. And this is the aspect of what's brought in Dvarim chapter 26. You declared to God Hashem declared to you Meaning, when you declare yourself to God, when you speak to Hashem, when you express yourself before God in conversation and Bodadut, she begins, the divine presence begins to come down and console you by letting you know that she'll see, that she will seek out strategies and awesome ideas how to fix the blemishes that you made. Because she knew she too needs to be fixed, as if we can say. An amazing idea. 260. Hashem hu anefesh, the name of something is the soul of that thing. Kemoshim bo'ar ba'atua hechalakodesh bo'ar in lesson fifty-nine of the Kutim Oran. Ayin sham look over there. Bifkinat nefesh chayav shushemo. Ayin sham is brought down in the in the verse in Bereshit chapter two. Nefesh chayav shushemo. A living soul is its name. Look over there. That um, the soul is the name, and the name is the soul. Ve'yesh bifkinat zomes sirat nefesh. And with regard to this aspect that we're mentioning. There is the concept of soul sacrifice. Because there were ten martyrs who sacrificed their souls and their lives to sanctify God's name in order to unify the God and the divine presence. As is known, look at Etz Chayim, Sha'ar Gate 39, Chapter 1. That the essential unification of Hashem and the divine presence, God and the divine presence, comes through soul sacrifice. And they saw in those generations that these great tzaddikim, Rabbi Akiva, and all the righteous tzaddikim 
who passed away in the hands of the Romans, uh, may their name be erased, that they saw that um, in that generation, there was no possible way to create these unifications up above except by sacrificing their souls. Which is, look out, look out, we, can, we can't even begin to understand the greatness of these righteous people, these tzaddikim, who died through such pain and hardship um, just to cause these unifications to Hashem because they loved Hashem so much. It's, a, it's something beyond our conception. We have really no understanding of this at all. Therefore, they sacrificed their soul to sanctify Hashem's name. Because when these souls up, uh, ascend above through their soul sacrifice, then they return down to the divine. They return to the divine presence. These souls return up to the divine presence. Because it's from there that they emerged into the world. Because the Jewish people are literal, are literally a portion of God from up above. Meaning they are they are literally a piece of the divine presence. Each and every Jew, Jewish soul. That each and every soul is a portion of the divine presence, literally. That it says in Isaiah chapter 46, who have been carried since the belly. So when these Nishamot return back to the divine presence, which is their source, then the, the divine presence um, begins to take pride. As brought down in the Zohar, Vaikra chapter 13. Look what awesome this is. Look what is in the Zohar. The divine presence goes to God and tells God, See what a child I've come to you with. Look at this child I brought you. Then this supernal yearning gets aroused. And gets awakened, the supernal yearning. And now there's unification between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Shechina. Why? Because the Shechina brings this child, this Neshama, which sacrifices itself for Hashem. This necessitates that people die. God forbid. That many different souls of the Jewish people were killed in order that they could cause unifications through their souls whenever their souls ascend up above. Because sometimes to create this unification, there needs many souls. God forbid. I can barriga, therefore, therefore, uh, killing comes about, God forbid. Why? Sometimes the Shamot or the Jewish people are killed. And the same is accomplished by losing one's name. Look how awesome this is. When a person loses his name, meaning a person loses his prestige. Meaning that, so there's this person that isn't. Famous and he is famous, meaning that he's famous in the mouth of every single person, uh, in the mouth of every people uh, of all people, because everyone speaks about him. But nonetheless, he's not famous because he's not important. But the person who doesn't desire this, meaning what? It's just that he actually lost his prestige. Meaning he lost his name, which is his soul. Meaning, even though he still has a desire to be famous and prestigious, nonetheless, he still loses it. Just like a person who loses something without his intention, without his desire. He still wants the fame, but he didn't have it. He lost it. Meaning, he lost his name. Meaning, the prestige that he has a name in the world. But then we're talking about a person. The final piece is this change, uh, this. Um, the difference between all these people, there's a person 
who does this with his own desire and his knowledge. That he sacrifices his soul to sanctify God's name. Meaning, what's his soul? His prestige. Which is this name of a person. He sacrifices his own name, his own prestige. Which is his soul. And so because of this, even though he's famous, nonetheless, he's not famous at all. Because on the contrary, who He's the exact opposite. Because all these people are speaking and fabricating lies about this person that never even crossed his mind. And Rabbeinu hints to this in Chayim Oran. He speaks about this idea that people were saying things about him. And Sichotachan Rabbeinu speaks specifically about this. That there are people that say things about him that never even crossed his mind to say that if um, that Rabbeinu himself wouldn't even agree with the thing they're saying, but they're making up things that he never even thought of or he never, never even did. So this tzaddik, this person, this person literally has spilled blood because of this. He, it's as if he's murdered. And he does this intentionally. Because this is literally soul sacrifice. Because the name is a person's soul. And he also has murder. He also... It's as if he's murdered because of this. And he saves the Jewish people from what is incumbent to come up, from what is um, sometimes obliged to come upon them, God forbid. In order to create this unification above, and through the sacrificing of his soul, which is his name, his name, which is his soul, as we said above, he saves the Jewish people, as we said above. 261. When a person falls from his level, he shall know that actually it's heaven sent, that God decided so. Because the distancing a person feels, the rejection a person feels, is the beginning of actual coming closer, the beginning of embracing. Rabbanu is explaining something very important here for anyone who wants to come close to Hashem. So pay attention. So Rabbanu is saying when a person falls from his level, know that it's Hashem did this. Because God is pushing him down so that he should actually begin to come close. Al-Kinafar, the reason why he falls is actually only in order to bring him closer to God. That he should awaken even more to want to come close to Hashem. And the advice, what's the advice for a person who falls? Begin anew to enter into the service of God. Start again. As if he had never started at all in the world. As if he had never started once. The first time he's starting. And this is an amazing principle in Avodat Hashem in serving God. That a person needs to literally every single day begin anew. And look at this idea in many different places in the books of Rabbeinu. Um, look in the book Meshiva Nefesh, uh, Restoring of the Soul. Look over there. Restore my soul. Um, that book over there speaks a lot about this. How much a person needs to reinforce himself in serving God and not to fall from any single thing in the world. Only to begin anew any single time. Every single time. Look very well into this subject. Forever sweet for you. Rabbeinu also says with regard to this idea that sometimes with regard to Rabbeinu Rabbeinu told the story of how when he was a kid he used to fall into Da'avat Akhila that because he was working so much on destroying his sexual desire etc etc to the point where Rabbeinu praised himself as to 
being the youngest person in, in the history of the Jewish people to get rid of this desire. Even before all the great tzaddikim that we know that he got rid of this tava before all of that, he was the youngest to do so. Nonetheless, because of all his effort in that regard, all the tava, the tava food became much stronger for him. So he used to eat double the amount a normal person would, a normal kid his age would. And Rabenu used to suffer from this because he didn't want to do that. So he used to not want to eat. And then he used to see a nice plate of food in front of him and used to eat. And Rabenu said in or Chief Chayagan, it says this, the praises of Rabenu, that Rabinatan wrote um, about the stories of his childhood. <clears throat> that Rabenu, um, after he used to eat the plate of food, he used to start it completely brand new. Because Rabenu teaches us that even if sometimes needs to start a, a person needs to start anew every single day, sometimes a person needs to start anew many times a day, as if each and every moment is a new day. So it's something, it's a principle to understand that there's nothing, it's not that because you felt today that you have to start again tomorrow, it's right now. That right now is a completely different day in its, in, in its own entirety. It's a different moment. Torah Resh Samerbet, 262, the last lesson for today. That through the renewal of the Torah, you create rivers, a person is able to create rivers. Because when a person begins to originate in the Torah, originate novelties and ideas, then he begins to, then the, sorry, then the spring begins to flow. A spring comes forth from the house of God. What's the house of God? Their intellect. It says, wisdom is built, sorry, that the house is built with wisdom. So what's, um, what's the house? It's wisdom. Because in order to build a house, it needs to be implanted with wisdom. It needs to be engraved with wisdom. So the spring emerges from the house of God. It comes forth from the house of God. And that house is wisdom. So that spring stems from wisdom. And this spring at the beginning is very narrow and small. And afterwards, it widens itself and spreads out more and more. Until rivers are created from this spring. And all, many people and all these people come to drink from these springs. These rivers, sorry. Therefore, one who wants to originate novelties in Torah that, are, that have value, meaning that are tangible. They aren't something standard. It's not just a novelty that is there to... To, it's not a cute novelty. Rabban was saying that it's a novelty mamash to repair yourself. A novelty that is here to come fix. That has tangible advice. A person needs to cry beforehand. Because when these rivers are created and everyone comes to drink from them, then also these husks and evil, the evil side, the evil forces and all its armies come to drink from this water too. To drink from this as well. Therefore a person needs to cry beforehand. And through that crying, you create rivers. And look at Rashi over there. Chapter 28, this idea. About the crying in the rivers. He prepared rivers from the crying. As it says. He prepared rivers from crying. Meaning through the crying you, re you repair and you rectify the rivers. And from, um, and from the rivers of crying all these husks and evil forces drink their fill. 
until they drink up from only the rivers of crying. And afterwards, when a person creates these rivers from the novelties of Torah that he originates, afterwards, after the rivers of crying, then he's able to draw these rivers only to the place in which um, are needed. That foreigners shouldn't drink from it. Meaning that these evil forces do not drink from these places. Therefore, a work of halachav, Jewish law, and chidushin, and novelties, Jewish novelties, Torah novelties, is called a masechet. And we say this masechet of Gemara, this masechta, etc., etc. Why? As Rabbanu teaching us in Tainim 102, I mixed my drink with tears. I mixed. Meaning that you need to mix this drink with tears. Because a person needs to. Sorry, that a person needs to mix this, this drink with tears. Because we saw above, a person needs to cry beforehand. This is what it says in Tehidim chapter 137. Upon the rivers of Babel, of Babylon. There we sat and we also cried. What's Babel? When you say Babylon? Uh, this is Talmud Bavli. The Gemara, the Talmud of Babylon. Which are these Torah novelties that we're talking about. That was made in the the yeshiva, the, the places where people sat down to study Torah. That from these places they created rivers, meaning that we sat by the rivers in Babel, meaning by Tamud Babli, because of the Tamud Babli, because of these novelties that were created in the yeshiva in, in Babylon, they created these rivers from their chidushin. That from these yeshiva, these rivers were created. created. We also cried because. One needs to cry beforehand. Because before a person creates a river of Torah novelties, in order to prevent these evil place, evil forces from drinking from it, you create a river of crying to fill up the force of these evil, uh, these evil beings, so that they do not drink from the river of uh, Torah chidushim. And it says in the verse that I mix my drink with tears. Um, as we said above, Hashem. Maybe you have the merit to apply all these lessons, and. Uh, Bezrat Hashem, apply the words of Rabbanu in simplicity and in wholeheartedness, God willing.